Our second lesson is uh, one verse from the Gospel according to Mark, from chapter 9, verse 24. And immediately, the father of the child looked to Jesus and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. The word of the Lord. If you know some things about art, and religious art in particular, you're probably familiar with the name Raphael. Raphael was one of the most famous of the great Renaissance painters. And way back in 1508, Raphael was summoned to the Vatican in Rome and appointed chief architect of St. Peter's, 1508. Many of his works remain in the Vatican and also in Florence and also in Milan. Raphael's most famous painting may be the Transfiguration of Jesus which was our text for last week. You can actually see this painting online if you do a search and say Raphael and the Transfiguration. The uh, painting will appear on your computer screen. And it's really two paintings because it's divided top and bottom. And the top of the painting is this very vivid and dramatic depiction of the Transfiguration. Jesus on the mountain, Peter, James, and John around him, Moses and Elijah above Jesus, vivid, majestic, mysterious depiction of the transfiguration, vivid detail, the glorification of Christ. But the bottom half of the painting is just as vivid and just as powerful. And it's the story that Ginger told this morning about the father with the epileptic son, distraught father with the dim hope that Christ might actually heal him. Our story for the day. Jesus says to the distraught father, all things are possible for those who believe. And the father cries out, I believe. Help my unbelief. What the painting of Raphael depicts so well is how our lives are often divided between two levels. Last week with the transfiguration story, I was trying to remind us that while we often get caught up in the mess of life, we're to be transfixed on the glory of God that's always present and always reigning over us and over the whole world. And therefore, we should be transformed as God's people. Sometimes, though, we find ourselves more like the Father. Sometimes we find ourselves uh, in a place where we're not sure we even do believe. And we line up with the Father, I believe. Help my unbelief. We, we hope for anything that might change us and change our circumstances. That's where we find ourselves. Sometimes we actually might see God and we might sense God and majesty and mystery. And we live with courage and hope transformed by that other times we're not sure if we believe at all Raphael depicts both of these in his famous painting in these Sundays of Lent Catherine and I are wanting to preach on this one line from that desperate father I believe help my unbelief 
what we want to do is try to help us with some of these aspects of faith where we are saying the same thing as the Father. And today, I want to speak to this in a particular way, maybe a way that has touched our lives recently. We believe, Lord, help our unbelief, especially in the area of God's presence and God's promises, because we're often not so sure about that. We believe or we want to believe, but it's not so easy when the darkness surrounds us. We believe, and we want to believe more, but we're not so sure we can when we are covered up with persecutions and pressures, challenges that just burden us. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief with your presence and your promises for our lives and our world in these days. Some of you know the name of Marcus Borg. Marcus Borg died last month. Marcus Borg, um, in his teaching and writing career, um, made a big influence on a lot of people. He wrote 20 books, most of which I have read and appreciated. Marcus Borg thought it his mission to articulate the Christian faith to people who struggle with certain Christian doctrines or certain Christian words. His mission in life was to communicate the faith in a reasonable, helpful way for modern thinking people. In one of his final speaking engagements, during a question and an answer period, uh, someone asked Borg, how do you know that you are right about all these things? And Borg said, I don't know. I don't know for sure. We believe. Help our unbelief. Several things need to be said here as we think about this. First, I want to be sure to say that uncertainty and doubt about God's promises and God's presence are part of life. There's a great deal of honesty when we doubt. We might wish everything was crystal clear, but like Borg, when it comes to lots of things, especially faith, we can't know for sure. We're human beings, and human beings are prone to wonder, prone to doubt, prone to struggle, prone to ask questions, prone to get lost in lots of things, including God's presence and God's promises. One of the things that has long intrigued me throughout my years of ministry is the frequency with which I've heard words like this. Alec, I wish I had your kind of faith. I get nervous when I hear that because I know about faith and I know that faith is often wavering. I get really nervous when I hear that because when I'm honest about my own faith, it's often wavering also, life is about seeking to live together, loving God and loving, loving others. Life is about encouraging each other on the journey. Life is about moving through the trials and the tribulations together. Life is about dealing with confidence and confusion. Life is about dealing with certainty and uncertainty. What I also know is how much I've been inspired by so many of you. What I also know is how I've been deeply touched by how you keep living with faith amidst the 
certainty and uncertainty, amidst the challenges and the losses, amidst the pressures and persecutions. You keep living with faith, and that inspires me, helps me in my own journey and doubt. Maybe that's why Raphael's painting is so fantastic. It's so powerful. Indeed, life is always lived between somewhere between the majesty of God and the fright and the appeals and the worries of the Father. Life is always lived somewhere between the dazzling brightness of Jesus cloaked in these garments that just shine and the shadowy doubts and fright of the Father. We're always somewhere between those two. As we look through the pages of the Bible, there are countless stories of this faith and doubt, confidence, confusion. No sooner had the Israelites been freed from the Pharaoh in Egypt that they began to question what God had done for them. Did, did you bring us out of Egypt so that we could die in the wilderness? They say over and over. How quickly our uncertainty about God, about God's presence, our uncertainty about God's promises emerges on the scene. Not long after God has provided water in the desert, not long after God has provided food for the people when they're hungry, God's people start grumbling again. Does God not care for us? Through many moments through the scriptures and many centuries centuries later when the people are carried off into Babylon, into exile, God's people says, we can't sing God's song in this land. God's not with us. The doubts often overtake us. The hurts often consume us. The loneliness, the fears, they take away any sense of foundation so quickly and we feel overwhelmed. To be human is to doubt. To be alive is to struggle. It's part of who we are. But just as real as the doubts that we all know about, just as certain as our struggles, there's this constant, loving, abiding word of God's presence and God's promises, and it's for each one of us. God says, have you not known? Have you not known? The Lord is the everlasting God. Just as the Bible is full of stories where human beings struggle and falter in faith, it is also full of the most comforting and reassuring and encouraging words that invite us to trust and to remember to whom we belong. We heard those words again. Virginia read them this morning. Do not fear. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you, says the Lord. I have called you by name. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. I am the Lord your God. I am with you, and I will gather you to myself. Everyone. In response to every doubt, in response to every cry, every shadowy place we find ourselves, Every frightening moment, we have these promises of God that speak to us even in the deepest pits 
that we might find ourselves. God always responds, I will bring you from east and west and I'll gather you in. Everyone who is called by name, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. And there is no other. Isaiah 43. This is not just a nice idea that sounds good and hopes to comfort us. This is the testimony of the generations of people who've gone before and sought to live by faith through trial, through tribulation, found God to be trustworthy, found God to be real and present and at work. This is not just some pie-in-the-sky Pollyanna message of optimism. This is the living witness of mothers and fathers who've gone before us, who've been nurtured through the generations, who worried that God had forgotten them and given up on them or gotten them lost in all the other things going on in the world, maybe even given them up to their enemies, to disease, to death, only to discover God had been with them the whole way. The whole way. The whole way. Most of you know some of my connections to Blacksburg and the shootings at Virginia Tech in 2007. On the Sunday morning following those shootings and prior to worship, I was interviewed on the Sunday morning CNN news show. And the host of the CNN Sunday show had an opening question for me. He said, Pastor, what is it that you're going to say? to your congregation? What is the first word that you're going to say to your congregation? And I said, you know what? God's people have long suffered tragedy and pain and heartache and challenges and losses. So our first word today and our first words in the call to worship on that day, that first Sunday after the shootings were from Psalm 46. Our first words today are going to be, God is our refuge and strength and a present help in times of trouble. And I said, we are simply adding our voices to those who have gone before us and who have sought to live by faith in the midst of all of life's trials and tribulations. And this is what I was thinking. I believe. Help my unbelief. God reminds us, I've seen the afflictions of my people. God says, I know your heartaches. I know your hurts. I know your struggles. I know where you've been. I know what you've been through. God says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Nothing can separate me from you through Christ our Lord. All these affirmations want to point us to a God who knows us, who loves us, who abides with us always, who never lets us go, not ever. All of these affirmations urge us in our lives, in our context, amidst our very challenges and whatever we might be dealing with, to know God's promises and know God's presence. So much of the time, I think, if that we feel like if we just had a little bit more information, we could deal with this whatever we're dealing with. That's how we think. If I just had a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more insight, I could live with faith. I could. That's how we think. 
Well, when it comes to issues of faith, we have the information that seeks to give us all we need. We have it. We've heard it. We have the story of God's creating the world and calling us God's people. We have the story of God's abiding love that never lets us go. We have numerous phrases that tell us over and over, fear not, I am with you. My love prevails. I'm the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. There's nothing in life and death, not principalities, not powers, not heights, nor depth, not anything in all creation can ever separate us from one another. That's meant to be information. That's meant to inform our lives, which we often crave that information. This is meant to be inspiration that's meant to change us and how we're living in a certain circumstances amidst the ups and downs, amidst the joys and sorrows, the bright days and the dark days. We have the information and the inspiration. It's never just about that, though. Not ever just about information and inspiration. It's always about an invitation. An invitation. God's promises and presence are real And we're invited to trust. Trust and stay on this journey of faithful living and faithful serving all along the way. Invited to stay on the journey. The invitation urges us to gather even when the streets are icy, even when the road race happens. Gather and sing and pray and be God's people and keep serving God. Because that's who you are. The invitation is to believe. Believe enough so that we get on the road and then maybe our unbelief will be clarified and, and we'll find strength for the journey. We believe enough to open ourselves to God's Spirit, open ourselves to God's Word, open ourselves to all that might be uh, God is saying to us or doing for us, and then we hope our unbelief will be clarified and dissipated, fall away. When we are part of the journey with others, we share life. We pray for one another. We seek to support each other. We serve together. And then our faith is strengthened. And when we're struggling, when we're finding ourselves in dark places or hard seasons, we experience the community's love and support. We experience the community's prayers and care. And we learn how our faltering faith can be upheld by others. When we cannot sing the hymns even, when we cannot affirm God's love and presence, then, then the community holds us and the community sings for us and the community says what we're striving to believe and holding us to. All this is to say that God is always working. And God is always uh, nurturing whatever grain of faith we can muster up. And what the Bible keeps urging from us is stay on the journey. Because God never lets us go. Listen and learn and venture forward and have courage and trust God's presence and trust God's promises and keep at it. My point in all this is that living with faith, it's a journey. It's living between belief and unbelief. It's living uh, especially uh, into God's promises and presence in the hardest times. It's really a journey. It is. And there are some days when we're feeling fit and strong and happy to be 
in downtown worship on a difficult Sunday morning, and there are other days when, when we can't, or we're not sure, we can even take another step. There are some days when we can enjoy the scenery along the way and appreciate the blessings that come, and life is pretty good. We can breathe deep, and we see the amazing sights around us that are all gifts from God, and other days we're gasping for breath, and we can't see anything and we're pretty sure we want to turn back and go the other way maybe and there are some days and all days when God is sustaining us and holding us and nurturing us life is a journey and it's the journey and it's the companionship and it's God's presence and promises that matter the most It's not easy, this living with faith, but it's where we're called to be. And what a gift, and what an opportunity. Even when faith and life are not always clear, this is who we are. This is what we're about. This is what we're invited to be. People who trust God and keep trusting. People who serve God and keep serving. People who follow Jesus and keep striving to follow Amidst all the challenges, keep living and loving with faith. Today, tomorrow, forever. We believe, Lord. Help our unbelief. May God bless our lives so that we can be God's faithful, loving, serving disciples today and forever. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O God, help our unbelief and guide us to lives of trust and to lives of love and to lives of discipleship following Christ our Lord. Amen.